Good morning, Orlando. Top of the morning to you on what, frankly, is one of the most miserably cold, rainy mornings we've seen in a while. But we're high and dry here for you on the 50,000-watt front porch. And at 6 o'clock, we're ready to bring you the first look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 102.5 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Tom Alexander, in for Deborah Roberts. Our top stories this morning, much of the U.S. dealing with nasty cold weather. And SpaceX delays its launch. Details coming up in one minute. And could those protests in Iran be the beginning of the end of that totalitarian regime? A little history lesson off the top this morning on Good Morning Orlando. 6.02 on News Radio 102.5. Cold weather is hammering much of the U.S. this morning. The National Weather Service has posted winter storm warnings for up and down the East Coast as far south as Tallahassee. A monster storm will hammer coastal locations from Georgia to Maine with ice and snow. By Thursday, the exploding storm will in many ways resemble a winter hurricane, battering easternmost New England with damaging winds in addition to blinding snow. Here in central Florida, people in Seminole and Brevard counties recorded what appeared to be snowflakes falling on Monday night. Snowflakes had reportedly been seen in Apopka last week. Channel 9 meteorologist Brian Shields says it's possible a few snowflakes could mix with rain again tonight. The news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. We're bringing one of our AccuWeather meteorologists on here in our 7 o'clock hour analyzing this exploding storm and the backlash of it that we may deal with in terms of even colder air being pulled down into Florida. What about the prospect of snow? What about the prospect of damaging cold? The very latest in a live report in our 7 o'clock hour this morning, Tom. We're going to keep an eye on this story all morning long. Across Florida, homeless shelters are getting ready for the cold. Tracy Morris with the Coalition for the Homeless in Central Florida says they're getting their shelters ready and they're asking to help the community to help. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday night will be considered cold nights. We'll be inviting anyone in from the community who needs safe, warm shelter. Um, we won't turn anyone away. And we're just asking the community to help us out by um, providing blankets and jackets. We need men's sweatpants. And I'm um, just looking for items that will help us with that extra influx of people that we'll be seeing over the next couple of days. Temperatures are expected to hit freezing or close to it tonight and tomorrow night here in central Florida. Bitter cold has already arrived farther north. In fact, schools in and around Tallahassee have all canceled classes for today. Is that right? They've got some icing conditions up in the panhandle. They do, and they're taking basically a snow day today. Yeah, there you go. Different story up north. Definitely. A rocket launch that was supposed to take place in November has been delayed once again. SpaceX announced yesterday that its Zuma mission launch will be pushed back a day. It's now set for 8 o'clock Friday night. No explanation was given. When the Falcon 9 rocket blasts off from Launch Pad 40, it will be the first launch of 2018 for Cape Canaveral Air Force Station. And they won't get an official national title, but UCF's football team is still celebrating. The school is planning a parade for the Knights after they finish their undefeated season, winning the Peach Bowl on Monday. UCF is the only undefeated team at college football's highest level. WFLA News Time Now, 6.04. You can read about the woman who tried to combat a co-worker's odor and got fired for it at 1025WFLA.com. <laughs> I can't wait to read that. <laughs> the first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts right now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. 
Tom, thank you very much. Tom Alexander in for Deborah Roberts, who will be back with us tomorrow morning. And uh, Tom will be bringing us the news top and bottom of the hour and whenever we have breaking news, of course. Yaffe's our executive producer in the control room. And last in this morning is Stephanie, who's our screener. I have to ask you because the weather's been changing. Steph, when I came in, oh, I guess I drove in about 3 o'clock. It was a very light mist. Just had to use the wipers occasionally. It's become, as I look at radar here, something more than that. What's it like out there? Yeah, it's coming down pretty good good right now it was hard driving here especially in my car because it goes all over the road really not, yeah it's not used to this kind of red and, and just feeling abused you can't handle it right yeah pretty much a so lot i of had us, to drive slow today a lot of us are feeling abused right now i mean <laughs> so the advice out there would be people need to be more careful than they might expect yeah. they need to be right yep i learned my lesson yeah yeah absolutely it's wow right. something got her to drive slow yeah uh, that's a miracle it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> At least she's off the road now, so there's a... <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> hey, listen, we have so much to talk about here this morning. Some great local topics as well. As I said um, when I was talking with Tom a moment ago, uh, with that big storm taking shape off the coast and moving northward, um, what kind of impacts are we going to have from here on out? We're talking about some of the coldest weather in years in central Florida. Now, not all-time record cold. We'll get into more and have perspective on that as well along the way. Um, people would be surprised to learn that we've been as low as 18 degrees here in Orlando, and nobody's talking about anything like that. We're talking about just about hitting the freezing mark or a little lower. And then, of course, in the outlying areas, and particularly up north, it's a different story from Marion and Alachua counties up north. They've got some issues with with some icing and whatever. And uh, Tom was telling you a moment ago here that they've already canceled uh, schools up around the Tallahassee area. And then on up the eastern seaboard, this exploding deep winter storm, is um, is capturing everybody's attention, and we'll have the very latest in an AccuWeather report And as I talk with our meteorologist in our 7 o'clock hour. So we see these protests now heading for their second week in Iran, and they are widespread. People are angry about the Islamic State, the theocracy run by the Ayatollahs, the mullahs with, a, with an iron hand. Um, none of the money is, is getting down to the people, the economy is in shambles, the government is corrupt, and people want a change. Is it possible we are seeing the beginning of the end of the Iranian dictatorship? You may say, oh, come on, bud man, enough with the wishful thinking here in the new year. Well, listen, if you don't believe that's possible, I want you to consider a little history that I will share with you in a moment. We'll get into that, and um, we're also going to give you momentarily a chance to win $1,000. Stay tuned right now for our Make Your Wallet Great Again texting contest that's just begun. Listen for the key word of the hour, then text that word to 200-200. Yeah, you could win 1000 bucks. It's Good Morning Orlando, Wednesday edition from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. We are glad you're with us. We're diving in on Iran in a moment. That in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I like what I see of President Trump and his U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley. They are pushing hard on behalf of the protesters in Iran. Unlike Obama, who just backed off in 2009 when there was a protest over the disputed election of Ahmadinejad, who led the country at that particular time, an election fraud there. This is really about economic conditions. It's about corruption. It's just about people who are crying out for freedom. 
and the president is not staying silent. And I think even though they've tried to shut down the Internet in Iran, that people there are aware that they've got the backing of the leader of the most powerful nation on earth. And I think it makes a difference and a positive force for good. The president tweeting the people of Iran are finally acting against the brutal and corrupt Iranian regime. All of the money that President Obama so foolishly gave them for his Iran nuclear deal he was committed to went into terrorism and into their pockets, meaning the Ayatollahs and the Mullahs who rule that country, that Islamic theocracy. The president continued on Twitter, the people have little food, big inflation, no human rights, the U.S. is watching. And U.N. Ambassador to the U.N., U.S. Ambassador to the U.N., Nikki Haley, uh, she's going to call for an emergency session of the U.N. Security and Human Human Rights Councils to get all the nations of the world on record as to whether or not they support freedom for the people of Iran. Here's Haley. The people of Iran are crying out for freedom. All freedom-loving people must stand with their cause. The international community made the mistake of failing to do that in 2009. We must not make that mistake again. Absolutely with him on this. I think this is terrific. You've got people from the Obama regime, Susan Rice, saying the best thing Trump can do for the people of Iran is to stay silent, is to be quiet. That is outrageous. Samantha Powers, who was Obama's uh, U.N. ambassador, is mocking the president here. I mean, give me a break. His Obama's Iran policy and entire Middle Eastern policy and, frankly, entire foreign policy was a disaster for this country. And the and the hangover from that continues worldwide. I like what I see of the president here and Haley at the U.N. doing essentially his bidding there to the rest of the world. Now, you may think there is no way that that regime can be overthrown by those protesters. But do you remember during Ronald Reagan's second term when he stood in front of the Berlin Wall erected by the Soviet Union in the height of the Cold War in the early 1960s to wall their people in in communist East Berlin? Do you remember Reagan saying, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall? I will never forget it. That was 1987. Do you remember what happened in 1989 through 1991 before you say these protesters in Iran are going nowhere? Let me refresh your memory, and I will do that in a moment. Do you think the protesters have a chance for freedom in Iran? Or will they be crushed like a bug? More in a moment. 407-916-5400. I've got hope in this area this morning. And history is what gives me that hope as much as anything. These protests in Iran are spreading. Protests of government corruption and the economy being in shambles. And, And the people being denied basic human rights like freedom. Um, Some similarities, some differences, no question, about Eastern Europe and the old Soviet Union in the late 1980s and early 1990s. But if we had been on the air talking with each other 
early in 1987, and I would say to you at that point, you know, there, there were protests uh, by the labor unions in Poland, which is under, you know, which was under the thumb of the Soviet Union, the entire Eastern Europe communist country bloc, the likes of Czechoslovakia, Bulgaria, Romania, Albania, etc., I said, boy, those protesters there, you know, they're 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 pretty fervent. They're 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 pretty spirited. Would any of us have said, you know what? Those communist regimes in Eastern Europe are going to topple and right behind them the Soviet Union is going to cease to exist. Would anybody believe that, Yaffe? I'm not even sure Reagan would have believed it, at least it happening that fast. And I don't think when he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall which is just an iconic part of the of the Reagan right. persona and 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 his presidency. Um, I don't think he thought it would actually happen short term. Yeah, I agree. Okay, he says that in 1987 in Berlin, and in 1989 you have a wave of almost all peaceful revolutions. I mean, I'm not saying there wasn't violence within the protests here, but we're not talking about wholesale bloodshed like Russian Revolution 1917, that sort of thing. We're not talking about that. Basically, except for Romania, they were largely peaceful. And these regimes collapsed one after another, and Gorbachev, who was the last leader of the old Soviet Union, could have sent in the tanks, right? But he chose not to. Yeah, and you know, thinking about it, that's kind of the one difference here between what happened with the Soviet Union and what's happening with Iran, because the Iranian regime might send in the tanks. They've already <laughs> sent in the Revolutionary Guards. Right, exactly. No question about it. But in 89, communism rotted from the inside yep. in Eastern Europe. And then in 1991, the day after Christmas, the Soviet Union hung up the gone-out-of-business-gone-fishing <laughs> sign. Yeah, like practically overnight. And, and Gorbachev... Resigned as president, said the office has ceased to exist, and the Soviet republics broke up into individual countries, which they still are to this day, and he handed the reins of power to Boris Yeltsin. Remember that? It was unbelievable what happened there, and it seemed impossible only a few short years earlier. Now, I'm not saying this is going to happen overnight in Iran, but when you look at history, you know, history informs us. You know, they say that people who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. But also history can give you hope that yep. things that seem impossible today are, oh, yes, absolutely plausible, absolutely possible, and may well happen. I've got hope when I look at the situation in Iran. But it doesn't. It isn't going to happen without a push. Oh, and yeah. the kind of push Obama would not provide, Trump is providing. And I think it's a big factor in Iran. Can I tell you, I think Nikki Haley might be his best appointment in his administration. She does a great job. I I agree with everything she says every time she talks to the U.N. Right. Yeah. And you know what? She's got a strong independent streak because she was standing up for women, too. You know, and the women who are actually accusing the president. So she's willing to say what she needs to say. And maybe Trump, while I'm sure he was angry about that, really, really respects her. And I think he knows he's got an ace in New York City at the United Nations. Oh, yeah. I mean, he would be foolish to ever do anything with her. Yeah. She's yeah. doing a great job. Yeah. So so when you look at this and you say, all oh, these protests, where are we going here? You have to understand it's 80 cities. It's just getting started. And it cuts across, reportedly, all segments of the population, okay? It's not just some disaffected elites or whatever. I mean, it is grassroots all the way across Iran. 
I think this has got potential. And here's my analogy from the hurricane season. Remember that grand old tree that suddenly toppled in the middle of Irma? Do you remember that? And you said to yourself, that tree was magnificent, so strong, looked so perfect. And you saw it broken lying on the ground and rotten from the inside out. That's what happens to these totalitarian regimes. That's a good analogy, isn't it? Thank you, Budman, for that. You're certainly welcome. Okay, we continue. Joining us here, uh, Tom Alexander, with the news in for Deb in just a moment. Uh, he is going to be focusing, among other things, on this brutal cold weather. And uh, we got a lot of company in this regard, and they're about to get in real serious trouble, it appears, in parts of uh, the Northeast before this big developing storm is over. And President Trump now taunting the leader of North Korea about the comparative sizes of their nuclear buttons. Tom Alexander in for Deborah Roberts with the bottom of the hour news update dominated by this developing ferocious storm off the East Coast. We're getting in on uh, a little bit of that here this morning. I'm looking at the at the Doppler radar, and it was just a mist in the air when I drove in here. It was dark and uh, and gloomy and everything, but now we got widespread, light to moderate rainfall, heavy in some areas, actually. Weather here is getting worse. It was. It was raining pretty steady when I came in, and that's not long after you got here. You so. bet. Yep. So what, you, what do you have on the storm? But millions of Americans are enduring another week of record cold. Low temperature records have been broken in several cities as the cold wave grips the eastern U.S. School districts in several states have canceled or delayed the start of classes. Universities in North Florida and, and public schools as well have all closed down for today. Winter storm warnings extend as far south as Tallahassee. There are hard freeze warnings in effect tonight for St. John's, Flagler, and coastal Duval and Nassau counties in the northeast part of Florida, as well as parts of the Panhandle. Here in central Florida, we're looking at lows in the 30s and wind chills in the teens the rest of the week. Ooh. The news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. President Donald Trump is firing back at North Korea's leader after he said the nuclear button is on his desk. On Twitter, the president said that someone needs to tell Kim Jong-un <laughs> that he too has a nuclear button, adding, quote, it is a much bigger and more powerful one than his, and my button works, end quote. Earlier, the president said that sanctions were having a big impact on North Korea. He also once again referred to Kim as Rocket Man. Here in central Florida, the search for a missing Orlando man is now at a sad end. The Marion County Sheriff's Office has called off the search for Alexander McKeeman, the 25-year-old was last seen cave diving last week in the Silver Glen Springs Recreation Area. After four days of searching unsuccessfully, it is believed that he drowned. And it's not the day to go for a long trip in the Gulf of Mexico, which is too bad, actually, because you might see a rare sight. According to a marine research organization called OSEARCH, a great white shark has been spotted in the Gulf about 75 miles west of Venice. Chairman Chris Fisher says the shark they call Miss Costa will probably stay offshore unless there's food. If you have a big event occurring like a mullet run or the tarpon gathering in Boca Grande or any sort of snapper run, they will be on those big fish aggregations doing their job, which is to call the weak, the dead, and the dying. Miss Costa is a 12-foot female great white who's nearing mating age. Fisher hopes they can fill in some information about the Great White's life cycle. She's only the third Great White they've ever tracked into the Gulf. WFLA News Time now 636. I'm Tom Alexander, News Radio 1025 WFLA. 
You can get these stories and more at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues right now. With Gina Cervetti in the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City, right in the heart of the Big Apple. Welcome aboard. Always great to have you with it, Gina. How you doing? I'm doing well, bud. How about yourself? Good. How rough do they think it's going to get up in the metropolitan New York area with this explosive storm developing along the coast? What are they saying? It's going to be tough to, to... We're going to have to keep an eye on it because they're saying... A lot more snow on Long Island, which, of course, is east of the city. Right. Um, the, the areas in the city that are that are more of the eastern boroughs could get more than they could get uh, just a little bit farther to the west. So we're really kind of watching to see how far west or east this tracks as we move into the next couple of days. But we do know that it's expected to start here with the snow sometime tonight. And uh, I, I'm, I'm sort of thinking right now that right in New York City, at least in the areas mm-hmm. where I'm looking at, maybe up to six inches. But it really sounds like it's tough to know where that line's going to be, where they're saying a foot is going to fall exactly. versus six inches. And that's a big difference, as well, you I'm, know. I appreciate that. I know I'm taking you out of your specialty here, which is uh, what's going on in the world of business. Good weather, bad weather. The stocks just continue to soar. More records yesterday. What can you tell us? Yeah, we're going to see the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ starting out at record highs this morning after they rose on the first trading day of the year. The Dow did, too, but we had tech shares leading the rally, and the NASDAQ jumped almost 104 points, or 1.5%, closing at 7,007. That was the first time above 7,000. We had the S&P up 22, almost a percent at 26.96, and the Dow was up 105 points to 24,824. Not quite a record there, a gain of four-tenths of a percent. The Bloomberg Orlando Index saw gains roughly in line with what we saw for the broader stock market, and the retailers were among the best performers when it comes to the local index. And you folks at Bloomberg are going to have your eyes on some economic data that's supposed to come in today. What do you know on that? Quite a few reports. The construction spending, uh, manufacturing activity and auto sales, all monthly updates. We get the Fed minutes from the December meeting, and the minutes of the uh, Fed meeting are probably going to show that the outlook for consumer inflation continues to dominate the discussion that is relatively low inflation. And, um, I mean, there's just so many dimensions to not only that big developing storm right now, but the extraordinarily cold weather that has gripped a good portion of the nation. And it is really, really stretching fuel supplies. Right, Gina? It is. Uh, It threatens to spur a heating fuel shortage from the East Coast to Texas. It's driven natural gas demand to unprecedented highs. As you know, wind chill advisories and freeze warnings blanket the central U.S. Winter storm watches are in place from Massachusetts to Florida. Ice has slowed fuel deliveries from New York Harbor, and we're seeing wheat higher, plunging temperatures across the wheat belt, damaged crops that did not have a protective layer of snow. So we might see that filter into the grocery store. In anticipation of the shortages, the Department of Transportation's Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration has declared a state of emergency and issued fuel delivery waivers effective through January 14th. So trying to make sure that fuel does get through. And finally, Gina, a couple of airlines have gotten on board in the wake of the uh, Trump-driven Republican tax reform tax cut legislation that passed just around Christmas. They're giving bonuses to their workers. Um, Who are the good guys in the airline industry? 
Well, right now it's American and Southwest joining the tide of companies offering their employees $1,000 bonuses after passage of the tax overhaul. Banks, insurers, and airlines have led the way on the handouts, all industries that have important regulatory issues pending with the Trump administration. Very interesting, as always. Gina, batten down the hatches as the storm approaches the northeast later on today and tonight. And we'll look forward to having you with us tomorrow morning for another Bloomberg Business Report. Thanks so much. All right. And you bundle up as well. Oh, man, it is really <laughs> cold for Florida down I here. I know. I know. Brutal everywhere. Thank you so much, uh-huh. Gina. Take care. All right. Now, we continue here on Good Morning Orlando with a What's Bugging the Bud Man segment. It has to do with the lack of anybody with any power whatsoever talking about shrinking government, shrinking the deficit, and paying down the debt. And, we're, you know, the Republicans are in the tank on this as well. And we're also going to talk about Uma Abedin, her emails, and another double standard to the advantage of the Democrats. It's all bugging the bud man here on a Wednesday, so I'm fired up. And anything that'll warm us up has got to be a good thing, right? I hope you'll hang with me as we continue. That in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFL. I'm running a little bit late here. I want to get into what's bugging the Bud Man here, and I'm going to have to kind of um, downsize the commentary on this. But I have to tell you something that, that is related to one of the things that is bugging the Bud Man about nobody in power uh, coming to grips with the reality of the deficit and the growing national debt that is the greatest threat to the future of America as we have known her, okay? There's no question about that. (laughs) The federal government, okay? Listen to this. Fox just posted this a few minutes ago. How many days off paid do you think a federal worker gets after being on the job three years? After three years where you work, what are you, lucky Yaffe and most companies maybe to get two weeks vacation by three years, wouldn't you say? Yeah, that's what, that's what I wouldn't have to about three, it? Yeah, two. yeah, yeah. Uh, 43 paid days off after three years. Um, do the math on that. Five-day work weeks, eight and a half weeks plus after three years paid by you and me, the suckers, the taxpayers of America. All right, I'm going to check online right now and see if they're hiring. That sounds... <laughs> you know, you and I are always <laughs> talking about shrinking the government. No, no, they need to grow the government so we can be a part of it. <laughs> Stephanie, you're shaking your head too, right? Oh, aren't, I'm all for it. Aren't those numbers unbelievable? It's shocking. It yeah. really is. And, and and it's a serious situation. I mean, that that's all part of it, right? The swamp that needs draining, but nobody's willing to do the work because nobody wants to downsize government. Nobody wants to cut spending to end the deficit spending that increases the already $20 trillion national debt. Why? Because if you do that, and the only way to really do it is to reform entitlements, People who feel entitled to government benefits at a certain level and are used to them going up, not down, and certainly not disappearing, will hammer you at the ballot box and you will not be able to keep your cushy elective position in Congress. And that's exactly where we are. And if you want a little bit of documentation on this, 
from Glenn's site, theblaze.com. The White House pushing for massive increases in military spending, along with a 7% increase in overall non-discretionary, non-military spending. Okay? This is what even the conservative Freedom Caucus guys are praising the president for holding the line on increasing by only 7% overall non-discretionary, non-military spending. That's, that's the best we can do? This is a prescription for long-term disaster in this country. It's unbelievable. But it's better than the Democrats because they're holding out for an 11 or 12% increase in non-discretionary spending. That's what's bugging the bud, man. Plus, I'm, I'm, I'm jealous as heck, but outraged as well, that a federal worker after three years on the job gets eight and a half weeks paid vacation. Somebody has got to stop the insanity. But who's going to do it? Nobody. Nobody who depends upon the people for their job and getting reelected. It ain't happening, is it? Sooner or later, the whole thing collapses and we'll start all over as a much weaker nation, I fear. Oh, what else is bugging the bud, man? The clock. I've got so much to say and no time to say it. In football terms, they call it an audible at the line where you change the play. I'm going to do that right now because I need more time than I have to talk with you about the other thing this morning that is really bugging the bud, man. Another one of these double standards here uh, with how the Democrats are treated and expect to be treated by the deep state bureaucracy in Washington. It has to do with Uma Abedin, top aide to Hillary Clinton, and her emails released last Friday showing that um, she put up classified information. That's illegal. Trump says she ought to go to jail for that, and indeed she should. There's a Navy sailor who innocently took some pictures inside his submarine of classified areas, did a year in the pen, and has had his life ruined by this. We need to talk about that double standard, and we'll make time for it, I promise you, at this time tomorrow morning, okay? That's a deal? Good deal. Good morning, Orlando. Miserable, rainy, cold morning. But as I say, we're high and dry here on the 50,000-watt front porch. Welcome in as we bring you the 7 o'clock update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Tom Alexander in for Deborah Roberts. Our top stories this morning. Much of the U.S. dealing with brutal cold weather and deadly protests continue in Iran. We'll have details coming up in one minute. Doesn't it make sense that you ought to be able to rent out your house to anybody you want, whenever you want? Why are so many local governments trying to stop that? My take and yours next on Good Morning Orlando. 7.03 on News Radio 1025. Unforgiving cold has been punishing the eastern U.S. for the past 10 days, but the most severe winter weather is yet to come. First, a monster storm will hammer coastal locations from Georgia to Maine with ice and snow. By by tomorrow, meteorologists say the exploding storm will resemble a winter hurricane with potentially damaging winds and blinding snow in parts of New England. While blizzard conditions could hit some coastal areas, the most extreme conditions will be well out over the ocean. Here in central Florida, the National Weather Service says we're probably not going to get any snow hitting the ground this week despite some flakes being spotted a few days ago. 
While it was considered possible, the Weather Service now says the air will be too dry for snow to develop. Still be cold, though. Lows in the 30s and wind chills in the teens the rest of the week. Yeah, we're going to get some more specifics on all of this as I talk live with an AccuWeather meteorologist on our team here at 740 this morning, Tom. That's not that far away. We'll look forward to that. The news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Farmers throughout Florida are trying to protect their crops from the cold. Gary Park of Parksdale Farms in Plant City says his crews are busy preparing for a few nights of sub-freezing temperatures. He says they're getting ready to spray the strawberry crops with a protective layer of ice. The crop that you have on right now is protected. If it's past flowering stage, uh, you're going to have it. But you're going to be out of your money a month from now if you don't protect your crop. So we'll put on the irrigation. Park says this is the beginning of the berry harvest season, so it's critical to protect as many plants and berries as possible. The anti-government protests continue in Iran. Some pro-government counter-protesters marched across that country today in solidarity with the regime, according to Iranian state media. So far, at least 21 people in cities and towns across the country have died in clashes between protesters and government troops that have been going on for almost a week. More than 450 people have been arrested. Meantime, the White House is applauding the ongoing protests. The United States supports the Iranian people, and we call on the regime to respect its citizens' basic right to peacefully express their desire for change. In a briefing yesterday, Press Secretary Sarah Sanders stepped around questions about whether the U.S. favors actual regime change in Iran. She said the U.S. supports the Iranian people and basic human rights. And a Buccaneer and a Jaguar are among the 15 modern-era finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame's Class of 2018. John Lynch was a hard-hitting strong safety who made nine Pro Bowls in his 15-year career. He was terrific. He was. He spent his first 11 seasons with Tampa Bay and then four more after that with the Denver Broncos. Offensive lineman Tony Baselli was the Jacksonville Jaguars' first-ever draft pick in 1995 was a first-team All-Pro three straight years. He was a real horse. Those guys deserve it. Absolutely. Class of 2018 will be revealed during Super Bowl weekend in Minneapolis. WFLA News Time coming up on 7.07. It is so cold, even Niagara Falls has frozen over. Yeah. Get the details at 1025wfla.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts right now. Weather and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Thank you, Tom. Tom Alexander in for David Roberts, who will be back with us tomorrow. Executive producing in the control room is Yaffe and our call screener, Stephanie, the first voice you will hear when you join the conversation with me here on the 50,000-watt front porch on Good Morning Orlando from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. The number is 407-916-5400. And the text line, always open, never busy, 23680. But standard message and data rates apply there, just so you know. Um, stay tuned in just a moment here. You can win 1000 bucks. Listen very closely. It's coming right up. That's our Make Your Wallet Great Again new texting contest. Listen for the key word of the hour, then text that word at 200-200. You could win $1,000. Listen, you can rent your house out if you own it to somebody long-term and say, you know, we're moving across the country. We're going to rent our house out. We're not ready to sell it. And nobody argues with that. But you've got big problems in a wide swath of central Florida with local governments. If you want to go, say, the Airbnb route and make your home available when you're not going to be there, 
for rental. Why should any government entity have a dog in that hunt and try to prevent you from renting out short-term the house you own? I say governments bought out, and we're getting some help from, from conservative lawmakers who want local government out of this game. And that's good news. But we'll have the story in a moment. Do you think that short-term you ought to be able to rent your place out? You know, go the Airbnb route or, or some equivalent. Why not? It's your house. If that's what you choose to do, why should any local government have the right to stop you? 407-916-5400. If you want to get in early on that, I'll give you chapter and verse on what I know this morning. And it's really, it really sticks in my crawl what's going on here in Florida. So we'll have that, and we'll have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic as well in two minutes here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm sorry, but I have a problem with these local governments. And we see a lot of this in the Orlando Orange County area, for example, but not exclusively here, where you are not allowed, if you own your home, to do a short term rental, like an Airbnb, to make some money when you're going to be away for an extended period of time. There are restrictions against that. There are bans on short-term rentals of less than 30 days, okay? Current law prevents any new restrictions on short-term rentals, but it allows older laws from before 2011 to be grandfathered in. What is local government getting off telling me what I can do with a home I own? It's wrong. It's outrageous. We have private property rights in this country. At least conservative Republican lawmaker Senator Greg Stube out of Sarasota understands that. And there are others who feel as he does and as I do. He has introduced a bill that will come up for debate in the upcoming legislative session beginning later this month that would strip local governments of the right to regulate short-term vacation rentals like Airbnb. The only thing you'd have to do is get a license from the state, and I, I guess maybe some level of regulation there might be appropriate. You know, we don't want people you know, being able to do this if they have, you know, been involved in criminal activity or whatever it happens to be. But let's focus on the, on, the, on the homeowner and local governments with these laws that prevent you from doing a short-term rental. Now, we've got a texter here who's not happy with a Bud man and is throwing it right back in my face when I say, <laughs> yes. I own my home if I want to rent it out for two weeks to somebody while we leave the government should have no ability to stop me. Yeah, he thinks he might be able to change your mind. He says spring breakers on both sides of Bud's house for a few weeks. What do you say after that, Bud? Well, there are spring breakers and there are spring breakers. But let me say this. <laughs> let me say this. What is to prevent somebody who lives next door to you selling to a bunch of wild party animals who are going to live there forever? I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, come on. I mean, you roll the dice. You know, we have open housing. If somebody can pay for the house, they can move in next door to you, and you don't have any say, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. You look like, you know, you you guys look like you're party animals. You look like a bunch of aging spring breakers. Yeah, you can't move in next to me. Of course you can't do that. Well, why in the world, then, should you expect any protection against the possibility of somebody you don't like living next to you on a short-term rental basis. 
So that's what I say to that, Yaffe. How was that? Pretty good? Yeah, that was a pretty good response. Yeah. Or, you know, people could always invite their friends over during spring break or something, have parties without actually renting it out. I mean, that happens all the time as well. There's nothing they can do about that. Yeah. So where are you on this issue? Why should local governments here prevent you from doing an Airbnb? Why? I got a call on the line says you need to take your neighbors into consideration. I try to consider my neighbors. I absolutely do. But I can't control who lives next to me. I'd like to think they're considerate of us, but, you know, we've lived in places where they're not. That's just what happens when you live in a community. If you don't like that, go live somewhere where you don't have neighbors close by. Then it doesn't matter what's going on next door because next door is far enough away that you can't hear what they're doing. Okay? And you can't see the trash coming over the fence. This is all about personal privacy rights, private property rights, the right of you and me to do with our home what we choose. And if I decide we're going to leave for a month and we're going to make some money off this place by renting it out to somebody, no government entity should be able to stop that. Not in my America. What about you? How do you see it? 407-916-5400, text line 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. I'm supporting legislation that will be introduced in the upcoming uh, session in Tallahassee that would strip local governments of the right to regulate short-term vacation rentals such as Airbnb. It's my house. I want to rent it out short-term. Nobody complains if I rent it out long-term for a year or two. Short-term, that's my call. No local government should stop me. Here, though, is Joe from Titusville weighing in. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, but I think I can convince you. Go. Okay. When you buy a home, there's a zoning to it, which ties into land use for that town, okay? Now, when you start renting short-term, at some point that becomes a business, and it there is a zoning code for, for short-term living area, okay? So when you buy that home and it's zoned R1, you're on the assumption that these are all residential housing long-term. Now, granted, you could get a really bad neighbor who makes a lot of noise, but there are reasons why you can't run a business out of a home and that's to protect the community. And listen, Joe, thank you. I know where you're going. But listen, I can rent my house out long term. I should be able to rent it out short term. I just don't think your argument holds water. But thank you for it. Here now, let's talk with Laura. Good morning from Orange County. Laura, you're on with a Budman. Good morning. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my only thought was, and I agree with you, Bud, what do we do for the people on the south side of the town? How do you kind of catch them, if you will, for those that are leasing their home short-term to the pro golfers when they come in. Yeah, absolutely. When all the pro golfers come in for Arnie's tournament down there in the Bay Hill and whatever? Yep. I don't have any problem with them renting them out. Do you? No, I don't. And so the issue is if if legislation is going to affect us, then how how are they going to be affected? Yeah, it's a good question. Thank you for that. Here's Gary in Apopka. Good morning to you, Gary. Good morning, Bud. Yeah, it's a good issue you bring up because uh, I've got a lot of experience on Airbnb. 
I must have stayed at 50 or 60 places from Maine to California and everything in between. Yeah. And let me tell you, there's a, it's it's really uh, people have to understand Airbnb. You're not renting to deadbeats because they do a big filtering process to be a host. You have to be cleared. They do a background check yeah. if you're a guest. And they don't want anybody with a bad reputation. If you foul up and you mess up on a property, yep. that profile goes with you on Airbnb, and you'll never get rented again. Exactly, so, and 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 I and I think I think that's a great protection against things being out of control and having an unsavory rental situation for the neighbors. I really do, Gary. Point well taken, Yaffe. Yeah, I agree with you, but I'm a big believer in uh, property rights, and I think if it's your private property, you should be able to do that. And uh, a lot of textures agree with you. One person, I think, sums it up pretty well. Says, owners should be able to do whatever they want with their property. However, they should be held accountable for anything which happens as well. So if something illegal happened, the owner would be Oh, absolutely. And I do agree with that. Absolutely right. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Tom Alexander with the news now in for Deborah Roberts. Tom, I'll tell you, it's a wet, nasty morning here. But as bad as it is, it is either worse elsewhere in the east or about to get worse. What can you tell us? That's absolutely right. But a cold wave continues to grip the eastern U.S. Low temperature records have been broken in several cities. And winter storm warnings stretch as far south as Tallahassee. That has various state agencies preparing for potential hard freezes and hazardous travel conditions in north Florida. The Department of Transportation is spraying state roads and bridges with a saline solution designed to lower the freezing temperature of the precipitation falling on the road and bridge surfaces. State troopers in Pensacola, Gainesville, Jacksonville, and Tallahassee are working 12-hour shifts to monitor any impacted roadways. Florida Department of Health staff is on standby to staff special needs shelters if they're needed. Here in Central Florida, we're looking at lows in the 30s and wind chills down into the teens in places for the rest of the week. Brutal. We're going to have an AccuWeather meteorologist talking all this over with me live in about 10 minutes. All right. The news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. At least one health expert says a new trend could be deadly. Sales of so-called raw water are booming in Silicon Valley and San Francisco, and the trend is spreading. Raw water is unfiltered, untreated, unsterilized spring water. And get this, it sells for as much as $61 for a two and a half gallon jug. Fans say it can be healthier for you, but a food safety expert says untreated water, even from a clean stream, can spread diseases like Giardia, E. coli, cholera, hepatitis A. A lot of those can be deadly. He says the trend is similar to what, you know, people's desire for raw milk or their aversion to vaccines, where there's no scientific evidence that these things are better for you, but people think they're healthy because they didn't see what life was like before the science that prevents these things. I was about to say, why do we want to go back to the Middle Ages when plague and devastation ruined people? It's a trendy left coast thing, man. (sighs) That's this health expert says, you know, we're going to start seeing the diseases that killed our great grandparents, great, great grandparents come back. There's a reason why those diseases no longer happen. There you go. Yeah. Oh. You're making too much sense, Yaffe. Cut that out. <laughs> okay. Not allowed. <laughs> and a court in Taiwan says a man has to repay his mother almost a million dollars for funding his training to become a dentist. The BBC reports the woman signed a contract with her son in 1997 when he was 20 years old. The document stated he would pay her 60% of his monthly income after he became a dentist. 
He refused to pay her for years, so she took him to court. Mm-hmm. He says it's wrong to demand a financial return for raising a child, but the court did not agree. They ruled the contract is valid. So he's going to have to make back payments and interest to his mom for her support. Ouch. Yeah. Oh, who? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Thank you, bud. All right, Tom Alexander in for Deb. He'll have news whenever it breaks back at the top of the hour as well. Stay tuned for our, our live um, talk with an AccuWeather meteorologist on this exploding storm and, uh, and our weather situation here. Um, but it's just a rough morning out there, um, and it's going to be getting a lot colder than it is now. Cold, wet, nasty morning. Let's get a handle on this weather and figure out where we go from here as we bring in AccuWeather meteorologist Elliot Abrams. Welcome to Good Morning Orlando, Elliot. Thanks for coming on with me. Sure thing, and uh, we're in for some chill. Yeah, we sure are, but first we're in for some more wet. I'm looking at Doppler radar here, but you look at it with an expert's eyes. What are we looking at here for the rest of this morning and the rest of this day, Elliot? Well, it's pouring this morning, and we've had heavy rain more than half an inch during the night, so it's a rain-soaked morning. The rain will taper off during the late morning, and it'll start to clear up a little bit, but temperatures will be dropping into the upper 40s and staying there. And then tonight, we're going to have a very simple case where we have the glacial frigidity that contributes to the feeling of... Whoa, 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 wait a minute. What, what was that? that? That was quite a phrase. Glacial what? Frigidity. What is that? Oh, it's cold. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate the, that. The, there's a, there is a <laughs> non-extinct uh, dinosaur called the thesaurus that has all these terms. Ah, yes, yes, yes. And, I'm familiar with that. Thermic biting and piercing high keen and nipping <laughs> winter-bound nivious isochymal wind. I'm not used to a weather scientist with a sense of humor. You blindside me here, Elliot. Anyway, how cold does it get tonight? goes down to about 31 or 32 degrees. That's not enough for a deep freeze, but one of the things about this cold is it's going to last a few days. Like last year, there was only one day, I think it was the 8th of January, when we had a day that stayed in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow's temperatures will probably hold in the 40s, maybe reach the low 50s, then back down to around 30 or 32 tomorrow night. So in terms of a, a, an extreme freeze, it doesn't look like that's going to happen but it certainly is going to feel very, very cold for a few days. You'd certainly want to bring in the tropical plants that don't handle that very well, bring in the pets, that sort of thing, right? Exactly, and uh, the pets, uh, if they have a way of staying warm, it's only the long duration uh, walks outside that really affect them that badly. Our little Bichon doesn't like it uh, when it gets really cold and uh, likes to cut and uh, take care of his business and come right back in the house. (laughs) Okay, probably too much information there, but let me ask you this. As I'm looking at uh, North Florida on radar here, it looks like mixed precipitation up there. If folks are traveling northward out of our area, say on 95, 75, et cetera, what are they going to run into? Ice. There's a sheet of ice across southeast, south-central Georgia, Valdosta, over to the uh, St. Simon Island area and up into Savannah, Hilton Head, mm. all those places getting ice and then snow. It, and uh, I think the only places where they have salt in some of those places is at the restaurants yeah. in your kitchen. Yeah, that's about it. For the roads. So very, very slippery conditions there. It will clear up tomorrow. And then the snow will continue up into south and North Carolina and wind up causing a blizzard in eastern New England tomorrow. No kidding. Yeah, they're talking about that being a really ferocious storm, aren't they? How much snow could they get, wind-driven snow, in in coastal New England? Boston looks like they're in for a foot of snow, and then they'll have howling winds of 50 to 60 miles oh. an hour with power outages. And the next day, the temperature will be around 10 degrees. And how do you stay warm in that? I can't even imagine. On the issue, finally, uh, Elliot, of it getting warmer, when does that happen here in central Florida? We've all had about enough. 
Oh, that's true. Later on in the weekend and next week, things change. It looks like the warm air comes back. We'll be back in the 70s. We'll have to see if it gets cold again. It usually does once or twice, but the cold will only last a few days, but it'll be quite intense while it's here, and then it'll be welcome to leave. Got it. Well, we're hanging in there, and we appreciate the update. AccuWeather meteorologist Elliot Abrams, thanks so much. Sure thing. I guess it's time to chill now. Yeah. (laughs) Nobody does it better, I'm sure. Thank you very much, Elliot. And there's the latest. I still don't know what that was. What what did he hit me with? Some kind of a term there. Like glacial frigidity or something? I don't know, something <laughs> like that. He's messing with me. Do you believe that? <laughs> a weather guy with a sense of humor? I love that. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, we got the important information out along the way as well. You know, it's just about as cold and miserable as it gets here in central Florida right now. And I'm and I'm I can't stop thinking about Folks from all around the country and all around the world who have been saving for years for their dream trip to the attractions in central Florida. You know, and they promised the kids we got a week at Disney right after the first of the year. Won't have the Christmas crowds anymore. You know, and and you and you spend more money than you've got. And it's three, four hundred dollars a night at the hotel of your dreams. And we'll go to the theme parks every day, kids. It's going to be fantastic. You hang around the hotel pool. And then you run into this. Can you even imagine that? Can you just imagine that? Can you imagine coming down from someplace up north saying, we're going to escape the cold into the tropics in central Florida and have that dream vacation we've promised the kids for years. And you run into this, Yaffe. Yeah, no. That, yet, that would be miserable. And, you know, it is. And, and and it's one thing that makes me appreciate living here even more because, you know, we can simply wait this out. <laughs> this is very true. You know, I the mean, weather that, guy said next week it'll be in the 70s yeah, again. Of course, you know, and it's just like I, I just think about that all the time. And people, they roll a dice and they make the plans, but there's no guarantees in the weather. And boy, what an absolute mess. I don't know how people live up north. I just I don't know how they do it. We did for years. Uh, when I married Linda and, and we lived in Syracuse and I was the weatherman initially when we got married. That was my first big regular gig on TV up there. And and when we got married, she didn't make me promise anything except to love her with all my heart for the rest of my life till death do us part at the altar. But the other thing away from the church altar was you need to promise to get me out of this weather. <laughs> And it took me years to do it. But finally, about 15 years after we were married, we got the opportunity to move to Orlando more than 30 years ago. I hear that all the time from people that moved here from up north. All the time. They say they would never move back because of the weather. Yeah. And, you know, there's nothing like the snow around Christmas. It's like a Hallmark card and all of that kind of stuff. We remember that in Syracuse. It was great. But what you forget about, you know— is the endless days that are just like this, and you can't do anything with this weather. It's cold, it's rainy, it's cloudy, it's depressing. And slowly, it just sucks the life out of you. It really, really does. And it really does now that I've lived in in Orlando for so long, because I am (laughs) solar-powered. Yes, I notice a difference in you when the weather is different. I'm on emergency emergency power, you know. I'm looking around to plug into the wall or something just to survive (laughs) until this is over. (laughs) I need the sun. Okay, well, we'll get to it. It's all coming along here. We're going to be talking in our 8 o'clock hour, and I'll definitely want you to weigh in on this, um, guys and gals as well. There are those who are predicting 
that because of all of this going on in corporate America, and of course with the politicians too, with sexual harassment, sexual assault, etc., that it is going to change hiring practices in the workplace. Will it result in hiring fewer women, or might it result in hiring fewer men? What do you think? We'll talk about it together right after we update the news. And Tom Alexander in for Deb will do that here in just a moment. Uh, as much of the U.S. is dealing with the cold weather that's about to get very, very stormy and dangerous for some. And is Mitt Romney gearing up for a Senate run? Good morning, Orlando at 759. Good morning, Orlando. Wish the weather were better, but it's going to be a while. We'll have the very latest forecast coming up, of course. Good morning to you here at 8 o'clock as we warm things up with our latest look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Tom Alexander, in for Deborah Roberts. Our top stories this morning much of the U.S. is dealing with brutal cold weather. And is Mitt Romney gearing up for a Senate run? Details coming up in one minute. And the sex swamp backlash. Is it coming in 2018? Will companies cut back on hiring women? Maybe some on hiring men? We're talking about it with you next on Good Morning Orlando. Going to take a long time to drain the sex swamp in American politics and in corporate America as well. And I wonder, as we continue to see allegations of sexual harassment, sexual assault, sexual misconduct of all varieties, lodged principally by women in the workplace against powerful men in the workplace, if that in 2018 is going to dramatically change hiring practices. And I hadn't really thought about this until Yaffe brought to my attention a story on the website pjmedia.com where they did a bunch of prognostications for the new year. And here is one of the predictions. Companies are going to be reluctant to hire as many women as they used to because most of the decision makers on the hiring, not as many percentage-wise as once were, but are still men. And they're going to say, why would I want to bring more women into the workplace just opening up the possibility of issues like this coming to light and causing all kinds of problems? Interesting. I hadn't thought about that. And they say they believe that it's going to lead to a lot of really decent and qualified women being left out and left unemployed because companies will say, hey, if I don't want problems with sexual harassment and sexual assault and sexual misconduct and lawsuits and bad PR, etc., how about if I max out on men? Probably can't get away with an all-male workplace, but then I'm not going to have that problem anymore. I wonder if there might be some truth to that. I have no earthly idea, but it's something I hadn't thought about before. 407-916-5400, if you want to weigh in, guys and gals on this, please. And the text line 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. And then they also say that there's another byproduct of what's going on with the sex swamp in corporate America, um, that for companies that simply cannot avoid hiring women, they will 
either hire women to quote-unquote make-believe positions in which they interact, the women, only or primarily with other women, creating thereby a drain on the bottom line, or they will allow a lot more work at home by bo- by jobs by both men and women to keep them out of the common workplace where sexual misconduct can happen. More guys working at home, more gals working at home. Less trouble for the company because they are kept apart in the workplace. And that there will be a great move toward this in the upcoming year. I don't know about this, Yaffe. I'd like to think that we won't see any changes based on what's been going on with the corporate America sex swamp. But I'm not at all sure. Where do you stand on that? I think it's entirely possible. I really do. I, I hope it I hope it doesn't happen. Because some of my best coworkers, some of my best bosses have been women. So I wouldn't want to work in a place that's all men. But I think subconsciously, people are going to think about that stuff now. What about it, Stephanie? From a woman's perspective? I mean, I'm going to hope that, you know, that's not the case as well. But, I mean, maybe in certain places it will be. But I think that's wrong that, like, you know, we, you know, can't get jobs because of, you know, guys that... Right. And you know what? And you know what? You know what? The ones who are doing the hiring, they would never admit to it. Yep. You know how that game gets played. It's unfair. It's so unfair. Yeah. No, but I mean, they would never admit to it. Yeah, we're cutting down on the number of women. Sorry, you would have had that job if it weren't for what's been going on across the country, the sex swamp stories. They'll never admit to that because that's got lawsuit written all over it. Discrimination lawsuit. All right. And you'd win it. Yeah. So they'll never say that. You just don't get the job. Yep. You know, we just had somebody who was better qualified who happens to be a man. Mm Mm-hmm. You know. And I just wonder, though, if you have female decision makers, are they going to say, you know, if I if I want to tamp down problems in the workplace, I'm not going to hire guys. You know how guys are. I'm going to hire as many women as I can. Yeah, it's true. It could go both ways. It could cut both ways. Uh, are you seeing any indication of that where you work? How do you think this will play out in 2018? Is there merit to these predictions of a major change in hiring practices in the corporate Workplaces of America, 407-916-5400. What do you think? You're the smartest audience in talk radio, so I think I need to ask you because we're really not sure. We wouldn't like to see the changes, but we're frankly struggling a little bit to decide whether or not this is going to be a wave of the future in the new year. Changes in hiring practices in the workplace as companies try to tamp down the prospects of getting into sexual misconduct situations. 407-916-5400 is the number. Text line 23680. Weigh in for us at uh, standard message and data rates apply on the text line, by the way. A lot of folks are going to need shelter and bring your pets in as well. I mean, we're going down to around the freezing mark in the Orlando area. They say the next three mornings here, okay? So stay with us for that, and we have a developing storm that's going to pull the cold air down that is going to be a vicious uh, um, snowmaker. Could be blizzard conditions up in parts of New England tomorrow. So there will be a lot to talk about with the weather, and we'll thread that throughout our shows the rest of the week. We know how important it is. Now, um, interesting prediction on pjmedia.com that with all of this um, going on with the sex swamp and allegations of sexual misconduct of all kinds in the corporate workplace, that hiring practices are going to be changed. And I want to know what you think about this. The prediction is that companies will be reluctant to hire women. 
Because if they hire fewer women and they have more men in the workplace, the fewer women, the less possibility of there being some kind of a inappropriate conduct, and that it's going to deny good qualified women employment that they should have. Of course, they'll never be told that that's why they're not being hired, because that's this <coughs> excuse me, lawsuit. Suddenly, the weather caught up with the bud man there. Sorry for the cough. But at any rate, the flip side of that could be if you have women who are the ones doing the hiring, maybe they're going to say, hey, you know, it's going to be all of the good, peace and quiet here in the workplace if we can minimize the number of guys we hire. Yaffe, what are the folks saying on that text line? You know, it's very interesting. One person brings up a sort of another angle to this says, what if you have two people with equal qualifications apply for a job, but one is very attractive? Will being considered attractive be an automatic no with prospective employers? Oh, so so what was normally would give you an edge if you were really good looking now is a disadvantage? Yes, so they might hire women, but women they don't think are as attractive. What else do you see there? Uh, one person said this says it would be better to weed out the dishonorable men inclined to sexual misconduct by administering a personality test before hiring. How would you determine that? I don't know. Psychologists maybe have a way to do it. How would you nah. do that? I mean, what would you do? Would, would, <laughs> I, would, would, you, I mean, would, you, would you ask them questions? I mean, uh, you know, do you, have you ever harassed a woman before? I mean, who's ever going to answer a question like that, honestly? <laughs> right. <laughs> and what kind of a psychological test if you're asking subtle questions? I don't know. I mean, that would be a little scary to think that, you know, my prospects are being hired or fired. Yeah. I mean, I think this or is entirely hired. possible. I don't know. Yeah. I just, I think a lot of it will happen subconsciously. They're not even realizing they're doing it, but in sort of the back of their mind, they're just going to kind of think, yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm afraid of that kind of thing. Okay. Um, we continue. 407-916-5400. Texas to 23680. Standard message and data rate supply there. News now and in for Deborah Roberts. Uh, Tom Alexander, I'm looking at Doppler radar here. Tomorrow the problem's going to be the cold. Right now it's the rain, and it looks to me like we got several more hours of this before it lifts away. And we've got a lot of company in the miserable weather department, don't we? We sure do, bud. Millions of Americans are enduring another week of record cold. Low temperature records have been broken in several cities as this cold wave grips the eastern U.S. School districts in many states have canceled or delayed the start of classes. Uh, In the Tallahassee area, public schools are closed. Florida A&M University, Florida State, all closed today. Temperatures there are expected to be in the 20s today. Uh, There are winter storm warnings extending as far south as Tallahassee. There are hard freeze warnings in effect for northeastern Florida as well as parts of the Panhandle. Here in central Florida, it's not going to be much better. Lows in the 30s, wind chills in the teens the rest of the week. This news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Doctors in the U.K. made a shocking discovery when they performed surgery to treat a woman's Crohn's disease. Six years ago, the 41-year-old had serious stomach pain for three days. Doctors diagnosed her with Crohn's. Yeah, that's a nasty thing. I know some people who suffer with that. I have some relatives that have dealt with it for years. Very rough. a horrible disease. But when she didn't respond to treatment for years, doctors decided to perform keyhole surgery. When they went in, they found she didn't have Crohn's disease at all. Instead, she had two pieces of a plastic packet of Heinz sauce perforating her small intestine. Oh, 
Whoa. They removed it, and her symptoms went away almost instantly. You put that on the hot dog. You don't swallow (laughs) it with the hot dog. Get this. She says she doesn't remember eating anything that involved a packet of Heinz sauce. (laughs) Gee whiz. Yeah. Doctors say they've never seen plastic cause Crohn's-like symptoms in people. They say it's usually swallowed toothpicks that do that. Really? Now that I guess I could understand. I could, but I, it happens often enough where they know that, oh, if you have Crohn's symptoms, maybe you swallowed a toothpick. Man, I, I'm surprised they didn't go for x-rays right away to find that stuff. You know, that, that's kind of shocking as well. I mean, six years of this? Yeah. Yeah, uh, the packets do have the little sharp edges. They though. do. They so do. Maybe that's what and did it. Yeah. Not like plastic breaks down. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Steph, what do you, <laughs> just the thought of it, right? Yeah, I can't even. <laughs> can't. What else is going on? Chickens literally crossing the road caused a mess on a freeway in California. About 25 live chickens possibly fell off a truck, prompting the closure of one lane from the southbound side of the 605 freeway in Downey to the 105 freeway. Officers say several of the chickens were hurt. A couple even died. Uh, the lane opened about an hour later as animal control got all the chickens out of the road. I'm glad we haven't cornered the market here in Florida of stuff flying off trucks. Oh, I mean, I've no. never, never heard of a place in the country there's more stuff that shouldn't be flying off trucks winding up on the road. Did yeah. we ever figure out why they crossed the road? Did we ask them? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll have that in the follow-up. <laughs> Does the yeah, board dude. have a little rim shot sound effect anywhere in there yet? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, bud. All right. Thank you, Tom. Tom Alexander in for Deborah Roberts will be back with us here tomorrow morning on the 50,000-watt front porch. Um, she's really going to be grumpy tomorrow with this weather. She's worse than I am. You know, she's solar-powered just like the Bud Man. She's not going to be happy when she comes in here tomorrow morning. <laughs> We'll have fun anyway. Coming up next, hey, you want to win a nice prize to start the new year? We got a brand new prize we're playing for on our sound judgment game, okay? So if you haven't won in 30 days, the company says you're eligible to play our game. There's only one way to play it, and that is to call me now. And um, Steph will put you on hold right here on the 50,000-watt front porch. We're looking for sound judgment contestants, 407-916-5400, 407-916-5400. Great family fun in our brand new prize. It can be yours. Hey, it's um, Good Morning Orlando from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. We're glad you're with us. Good Wednesday morning. Time for the Daily Sound Judgment Game. Brand new prize for the new year. Family fun. Uh, Steph, let's talk about that prize. Yes, bud. So today we have an awesome pair of tickets to the 41st Annual Central Florida Scottish Highland Games at the Central Winds Park in Winter Springs happening January 13th to the 14th. For more info, visit 1025wfla.com. That is great family fun. The kids are going to love it in a great spot over in Winter Springs, okay? 407-916-5400. I still have an open line, 407-916-5400, which is the number to call if somebody goes down with the wrong answer and we open up a line for you. You ready? Today's sound judgment focuses on the latest member of the U.S. Senate to announce his retirement. I want you to listen to part of his announcement yesterday, then use your sound judgment to name this long-serving Republican senator and also tell me what state he represents. I've always been a fighter. I was an amateur boxer in my youth, and I brought that fighting spirit with me to Washington. 
But every good fighter knows when to hang up the gloves. And for me, that time is uh, soon approaching. That's why, after much prayer and discussion with family and friends, I've decided to retire at the end of this term. Name that senator and the state he represents. Line one, you're up first on sound judgment. Yes, I believe it was Orrin Hatch from Utah. I believe you're right. How about that? That didn't take long. Congratulations. Are you glad to see him go, or do you wish he'd stick around? I'd like to see him stick around. He certainly has the experience necessary. Yeah, he sure does. I think he feels, I think he's about 85. Maybe it's time for him to do some other things. They're talking about Mitt Romney running for that seat, which would be interesting. At any rate, congratulations to you, my friend. It's great to have you on the show. What's your first name? It's Ken. Ken, where are you calling in from this morning? Um, from Orlando. How is it? Beautiful where you are this morning, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it looks like winter out there. Man, it, it looks like Newark to me is what I always say when I look out the studio window here. Ken, you uh, and Steph are going to have a conversation off air to make sure we get you those Scottish Highlands Games tickets, all right? All right, thank you. Yeah, don't go away, buddy, and Happy New Year to you. Congratulations. Orrin Hatch, Utah, been in the Senate since 19, I think, 77 or something. Sounds like it's about time, don't you think? All right, in a moment, we're going to end the show where I began it. Those protests in Iran. I like the way Trump is approaching this. I hated the way Obama dealt with Iran. You may think there's no chance that these protests could succeed and the totalitarian Islamic State regime could be toppled. However, if you consider recent history, you might think otherwise. We'll get into that here in just a moment. These protests in Iran reportedly are very widespread. It's not just one particular group. It's all across all demographic groups from one end of that country to the other. And you may say they have such an iron grip on the country the fanatical ayatollahs and mullahs, etc., that there's no way the protesters will succeed, that they will be crushed like the freedom protesters in China in Tiananmen Square back in the 1980s. But then again, sometimes these things actually do work. More on that in a moment after we listen to U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, who is in lockstep with President Trump on putting pressure on the Iranian regime, and in openly backing those courageous protesters. The people of Iran are crying out for freedom. All freedom-loving people must stand with their cause. The international community made the mistake of failing to do that in 2009. We must not make that mistake again. Haley's going to call an emergency session of the Security Council Get countries of the world on record. Are you back in freedom in Iran or are you not? That'll be interesting. The president is being aggressive in this regard, and I think that's important. Obama was not. He had his own plans for this cockamamie, disastrous deal with Iran on the nukes, okay? He was a disaster when it came to policy with Iran. I think Trump is doing it right. And pressure can work. The pressure applied to the old Soviet Union by then-President Reagan in 1987. He'd already called him the evil empire, and then he stood in Berlin, looked over at the Berlin Wall, erected to keep the people 
of communist East Berlin in bondage and from leaving and said famously, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. In 1989, the whole Soviet bloc countries in Eastern Europe all had quiet revolutions, a violent one in Romania, but the other ones were basically were basically peaceful. And it was a remarkable story. They just all collapsed. And the pressure that was applied by Reagan, I think, was a factor in that. They knew they weren't alone. They had the most powerful nation on earth behind them. And by 1991, Gorbachev, who decided not to send in the tanks, decided that it was game, set, match for the old Soviet Union. And it went out of business and collapsed almost overnight. And nobody, prior to the Reagan speech, ever would have believed it was possible for all of that to happen and for those protests to change the governments of one country after another. That's why I think they have a chance in Iran. And I'm glad we finally got a president with the courage to stand up for those fighting for freedom against the Iranian Islamic State dictatorship. That'll do it. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Stay warm if you can. For Yaffe, for Tom, for Steph, the Budman. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America.